It is a lovely Wednesday afternoon. I don't know what day of the week it is for those of you out there who may be listening or watching this, but I hope you're all having a great day. I've never done an introduction like this in my life. Genuinely, (laughs) I don't really give a fuck how your day is going. Oh, God, I said the F word less than 30 (laughs) seconds before the start of the episode. That means that YouTube is not going to like this, but YouTube doesn't like me anyways. (laughs) So with all of that being said, uh, I am joined here today by two lovely human beings who I have, you know, seen around. We're friends on the internet. We are all part of this music scene in and around the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area. We've played maybe one show together, I Mm -hmm. believe, uh, out at the Green Beacon Gallery. Shout outs to Greensburg and the Green Beacon Gallery. Mm -hmm. But please, everyone out there on the internet, having a day that I don't give a fuck about. Make some noise <laughs> for my friends, Sean and Mike of The Bleepy Things. Yeah. Woo! Woo! Happy to be here. Hell Super yeah. happy to be here. You know, it's funny because I feel like I barely know either of you. Same. Simultaneously, this feels like a very long overdue conversation. Very, <laughs> very much. Um, yeah. You know, I've been... Very much aware of the bleepy things for a while. Um, Likewise, with your many projects. You're reasonably active in the local music scene. And one of the things that really stands out to me about your band and where I want to start this conversation is like your lack of commitment to genre. (laughs) 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 Um, But as somebody who also plays in a band that has that lack of commitment, it's something that I find very commendable. And it's a, uh, I find it to be a receipt of genuine creativity and interest to just be a part of doing something unique, right? Yeah. So if we're going to just dive into the origins, the Spider Man nonsense of what the bleepy things are, uh, how did it start and how did it end up being, you know, so goddamn bleepy? It started being. <laughs> I don't know. You you start out creating music with what you have access to. And in the beginning, it was really, really uh, cheap. You know, like a MacBook, a really tiny travel MIDI keyboard. Like the one that doesn't even have full-size keys. Just like, yeah, little clicky boys. And, you know, electronic drum sets, little two-channel Personas interface with like a $100 microphone. And you make the best shit you can make with trash equipment and then you just kind of keep being motivated to buy the next thing on Sweetwater or (laughs) buy somebody's used gear off the forum and make more friends and like I'm basically Aaron Hustle and Danny Crushwell's like hand-me-down boy (laughs) like it's 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 true uh, shout out to those two but yeah like half of my Fender gear and like gigging out stuff is stuff that is once toured with them or whatever. And, you know, they're just like, Hey, I'm sick of this. And I'm like, ooh, 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 yeah. give me, give me, give me. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So, you know, it's just been a years of using whatever we could get our hands on. And that was where the bleeps and the bloops and the weird sound effects came from. Now it's like much more rock band, much more human or I would say more analog than it's ever been. And then at the same time, we're kind of, aware of how analog we're hitting the and it's like we're still the bleepy thing so you kind of have to like 
pull back in the other direction and re-bleep and add robot noises and weird <laughs> shit. Understood. We've always wanted to have that like like that core analog sound, but always have you know, influences from, you know, back when we were first starting and that's bringing in like anything digital. It it could be any sound that you, that you can think of or any sound that you can possibly produce out of any of those, you know, whether it's an electronic drum kit or just hand me down stuff, you know, running everything through auto tune. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So getting, getting the chance to be able to go from where it was like, again, just a laptop and trying to figure everything out on either a MIDI keyboard or whatnot, all the way up until, you know, will we actually have our own space that we can create actual sounds that are real sounds instead of just everything through a computer. It's uh, cathartic. It keeps us humble, but uh, I think the, the general gist of the band really is just like, Hey, as long as you're keeping it weird, that's cool with us. Totally. I think that there's a really interesting thing that happens. And this is something that I've experienced as well with, you know, normal creatures slash Sykes and the New Violence. It's the same band. People still ask me what happened to Sykes and the New Violence. Still a band. We just changed the name. Anyways, end of, the, <laughs> end of that tangent. Um, I mean, that started out before Sykes and a New Violence. It was just Sykes. And it's mm-hmm. me and a computer and bleepy bloops. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I'm like, oh, you know, someone plays guitar in a song and it's like, well, how about you play guitar to show? And someone's like, oh, you want drums? (laughs) Then someone starts playing drums. And the point that I'm getting at is it's interesting how down the line that starts to change the way that you write music and trying to find ways to keep that core of what it is where it's like electronic and weird and very moldable, like Play-Doh. You could do all this weird stuff versus like, the analog world, which I mean, you, sh- I mean, granted, I mean, Frank Zappa is a thing. You could do plenty of weird stuff with yeah. normal instruments, mm-hmm. but it's just, they're two different worlds of writing music, like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. writing music in a solitary space with a computer versus writing music in a room with other people yeah. are two very different things. So what was that transition like for the band? And is that a big part of the reason why there's kind of like this, uh, defying of genres. I don't even know how intentional it is or if it's just a matter of like, we're just doing what we do and whatever happens, happens. Well, that's kind of how uh, me and him actually started writing music together. Uh, we were just working at the same job and we had the same passion for... Applebee's. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Uh, that was... The that neighborhood was, grill really brings everybody together. Hell know? yes. This one, baby. Let's go. <laughs> Many Saturdays and Sundays where me and him would just be goofing off the entire day. But uh, th- th- it was just a mutual meeting of, you know, we kind of wanted, wanted to make, you know, kind of the same music. And he was just like, you know, maybe you should just pop down, you know, down here one day and we'll just, you know, We'll bang out some new tunes. I'll show you what we have on deck. And at the time was, what, three songs that were barely even tracked or anything. And then it got to a point where <laughs> yeah, it was like... Like one master and two mixes. Yeah. And, like, um, this, is, this is what exists. <laughs> and then it, it just kind of, everything blossomed from there. Uh, just trying to get as much analog stuff in as well as digital stuff and building it up from there. And Yeah. And then you keep adding humans to make the shows more fun because mm-hmm. you run out of hands and brain and computers to do. You don't really run out of computers unless you run out yeah. of money. But mm-hmm. <laughs> we can go down that rabbit hole forever. <laughs> and that's another, I don't know, it's always like 
you get the humans in and then they become a part of the family and the community. And then you kind of get addicted to having them. You don't want to let them go. So you want to have them leave their mark and imprint on these little like timeless recordings that we kind of launch out into the internet to stay forever. And I think that's kind of why the music starts to, to shift. Mm -hmm. Just like, we have to keep a live lineup now because we're playing shows all the time because people demand us to play the old material because they like it. So then we're motivated to make new material because we get bored of playing all the old material and cover songs are lame. So you just got to keep, you know, creating new originals, doing whatever. And then whoever's in the band at the moment, those are the people that you call upon. And then, you know, people have kids and they're out for a little bit. People have jobs or family emergencies they're out for a bit some people just you know life life life, (laughs) period life comes at you fast and all kind of stuff is being juggled and some people realize like there's five things that i'm trying to make a priority and i have the capacity to do three of them well and what do they slice off Mm -hmm. but for some reason everybody that's in bleep you just keeps like (laughs) yeah you kind of get pulled in nine directions. And at the end of the day, you're like, man, we just need to hang out. Like, I just want to hang out with my boys yeah. for a little bit. I just want to play. I want to be loud. <laughs> hit stuff. I scream into a microphone, make a new creation. And then we leave like decompressed and happy most of the time. And there was sometimes a, fighting. There was a, there was a point in our band where I think there was, I mean, there was only three of us and each of us were playing like two or three different instruments. That was too much. At one time. And that was just, it was too much. And, you know, obviously we had to expand and invite new people in. But like he said, you know, people come and go, especially, you know, the ones that want to be in the band and especially ones that are just out to make it as like, oh, I'm just doing this for the time being as well. And it's like, that's fine. You know, you, you have a life to live and that's fine. But as long as you're making that impression at that moment in time, at least we, the least we can do is at least push that music out. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's really, really complicated. Uh, just showing up for yourself sometimes. Yeah. So to like show up for yourself and then decide with that time to show up for other people and be a part of this thing that's bigger than yourself, but is also part of yourself is really complicated. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of crazy dynamics in bands. And I think that whenever you see a band of people that aren't really there for each other or themselves, it really shows. Oh, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's super duper right. fucking shows. And I think every band's gone through phases where you, it's happened. They're only human. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you feel it. You feel the tension in the band. And then that's... It's better, I guess the older you get, hopefully, and the more mature people are, whatever age they are, they kind of, there's an awareness and then a communication rather than just seething anger until it explodes. Mm -hmm. And that's part of the, you know, bands that in earlier versions, things have gone worse. In newer versions, things have been much more smoothly transitioning where it's like, hey, uh, this isn't my job anymore. I'm just going to kind of peace out. But for three years, they provided momentum and showed up and committed and did whatever. So it's like, you got to haul out the humans who like the homies who kept it going and are like, it's not my favorite thing, but like I really had a good time and yeah, I'm kind of done. Yeah. But that gave three years of shows and opportunities and growth and experience and like getting your name kind of further up the ranker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, there's no right or wrong way to move forward in the entertainment industry, whether you are, uh, you know, like, writing all of these songs and like really, you know, 
getting a band together to perform this stuff out. Or if you're just like a session player, that's kind of, kind of come in and like, well, I'll play drums or I'll play bass for this band mm-hmm. and then move on to other opportunities. Or maybe, you know, the entertainment world ain't for you. And you decide that I'm just going to kind of bow out of it. Cause it, I mean, yeah. it is a lot of work. You really genuinely need to want to do it for it to even be remotely fulfilling mm-hmm. in any way. You know, and that even goes for like any like these like new content creation like people or groups or anything like that. You know, you it, a lot of the like writing and not even just music, but like even just like performances or like um, like a stage show. Totally, that's you cool. know the writing and everything that goes in behind that. You know, there's so many people that are working to that want to do that. And it just goes to show how much uh, dedication people have to this craft. Yeah, that's why that I I very uh, specifically go with entertainment industry because mm-hmm. it really does all tie together, regardless of whatever the medium is. If it's yeah. music or film or Instagram or TikTok or whatever, yeah. you know, all that stuff. It's all you really, really, really need to give a fuck if mm-hmm. you want people to give a fuck, uh-huh. right? 100%. So leaning into the concept of people giving a fuck, it seems like as an outsider, the bleepy things have been able to generate a pretty, you know, dedicated base of people that give a fuck about your band. And I think a lot of that is because, I mean, I've only seen you play live once, mm-hmm. but when I saw I'm you play- the finest. <laughs> <laughs> well, but let's hear them out first. Word. Let's hear them yeah. out. <laughs> I would say it seemed like, you know, everybody was, you put on a good show. I never heard the songs before. So if there's a little nuance or something got messed up or whatever, I mean, you're playing outdoors in a parking lot with a pop-up PA and you got a fucking 5,000 piece band. What do you want? Yeah, really? What are you going to do? But I think that there's an energy to your performance that is very intoxicating for people that are going out to see live music, Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes it could be hard performing in a situation like that, which this is no shade towards the green beacon. Again, I love you guys, but you know, like you're playing outdoors. It's a hot day. It's maybe not like the most like dramatically attended event. Right. And like the people that are there sometimes if they don't know who you are and they're there and nobody else is there, they don't know the fucking bands. As an attendee, they're like, why the fuck am I here? Yeah. And then you, as an entertainer, you got to be like, I'm about to tell you why the fuck you're here. I'm going to pull you back. I'm yeah. going to magnetize you <laughs> to this shit right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm going to make eye contact. I'm going to get you dancing. We can get, like, and sometimes it works and sometimes it don't, you know? <laughs> All like, you can you, fucking do is try. Yeah. So, 100%. Sean, I'm actually, I'm, like, I'm really curious because, like, you are very, a very active, unapologetic front person in the movie things. <laughs> and I, my, my shoulders can attest to that. <laughs> <laughs> chaos. <laughs> so uh, where does that chaos come from? Um, ge- big Gemini energy. <laughs> Naturally, you know, like I'm super low key until I'm not. And then I'm super on. And then I just like deplete my battery and then I, He's a wind-up toy. Yeah. We, yeah. We, all five of us get back there and we all yeah. wind up the crank. Uh-huh. And, and then, then I go bananas. And then he and goes. Then, yeah, and then I'm like, all right, I'm going to like yeah, meditate yeah, yeah. and take a nap and like eat some snacks and snuggle my puppy, you know? Totally. <laughs> With um, So p- 
prior, and this is specifically for you, Sean, right now, because I want to dig more into <laughs> this this chaotic energy. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> um, prior to the bleepy things, had you ever performed live? Were you in any other bands that were like playing out? No. So I, my dad was in a band when I was a little kid, and I watched my uncles and my dad's cousins and close friends. They all played like classic rock, cover songs, all that. So I was surrounded by gear that I wasn't allowed to touch. And that drove me crazy because they were like, oh, don't break. You don't know how to play it. Like you can't touch it. And I was like, (laughs) (laughs) so then when I was like 10, I started playing saxophone and then I started being allowed to touch more instruments. So like, you know, a little band, marching band, you do that whole like little, yeah, I got you. Loop yeah. of whatever you do, whatever music is available to you based on where you grow up, where you go to school, whatever. So I tried to do, wasn't super. I definitely, when I got to music school, found myself brutally unprepared. But by the time I got to music school, that kind of kicked me into like counting, knowing all my scales, understanding chords, music theory, aural theory, this. And then I was just like, okay. Classical music's kind of beat for me because I play saxophone. Jazz is bananas, which is still like a, like a fun thing to do on the side and like challenge your brain and like it's like philosophy of music but practical and but rock music and like ska and punk and that's where my heart like thrives. Understood. And I needed an outlet, so you have to make an outlet. You know. So then you find this outlet and you start playing shows. <laughs> we'll say so the did you find yourself being like really comfortable on stage from the jump or did it take some time to kind of become the uh the Tasmanian devil that you are now uh comfort do you still find that you're not comfortable and maybe the Tasmanian devil is a distraction from the discomfort <sighs> at this point I'm pretty comfy <laughs> I, I have to say. You look comfy, bro. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> At, in the beginning, it was definitely anxiety-inducing, but it wasn't so much about, I don't know, when you're first in a band, there's, you know, you're doing like pay-to-play. Like, let's be honest. Everybody's done at least three or four pay-to-plays accidentally when you're trying to like meet people who do promotion, try to meet who owns the venues, try to like weasel your way into like deeper through the gatekeeping pathway. Sure. And then- at one point, you know, eight years later, I'm like friends with most of the people who own all the venues around town and I could just hit them up and be like, hey, can I rent your room? Like, yeah, of course. So I think in the beginning, I was too worried about, can we sell 25 tickets? Are we going to have to eat this? Do we know these songs? Is this new person we just brought into the band prepared? Is anybody going to be here? If there are, are we going to be able to play well? And I think those things gave me an amount of anxiety and then we were all playing like two or three instruments and I was playing like guitar and then switching to saxophone. And then like, that was anxiety inducing. Cause you know, they give you like five minute setups, 15 minute setups. And you're like, and then your pedal board doesn't work. And you're like, where's the break in the chain? Where is the, and it's like, after dealing with all of that, once we actually had one human per job, once we had a discography kind of established and we could like learn the sets and people could listen to it and we could come back and practice that kind of made the performance anxiety go away. It's still like, you know, you get like the totally you're about to walk on stage. Like we're human, you know, your your adrenaline's going to kick in your cortisol level is going to kick a little bit. And that's like the, the human feeling of being alive. Mm -hmm. But 
it's kind of like addicting now. I'm like, I can't wait. Oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah. I don't want to wait seven hours to play the show. I want to do it now. <laughs> yeah. I, I relate really, really hard with all of the anxiety that revolves around like just getting a show together. Because, <laughs> like, and I think that's something that like maybe people that don't, or have never like been in a band situation, don't like understand like the people that are just like casually texting you before a show, like, Hey, what time you want you go on? You want to get food before the show? Like all that, what are you doing and after? You Let's go hang out. It's like 49 of them. <laughs> you have no idea what, I mean, like I, it's like, I appreciate so much that you are coming out and that you want to hang and all this stuff. The love, like, the support, the friend. Yeah. It's like, this ain't it. It's like, you know, the, the 25, 35, 45 minutes that we're on stage is nothing compared to the other eight hours of the day that we're loading gear, unloading gear, setting stuff up, talking to promoters. Like it's, it's chaos. I mean, it's fun when it all works. It's fun mm-hmm. when it's done. But in the moment, I am just like, I need everything to be perfect. Don't fucking talk to me. Leave me alone until everything's right. I've Absolutely. seen you. I've seen you pre-gig, bro. I know. And honestly, same. You see everybody a little bit like they're in business mode because until your shit's on stage working, anything can go wrong. Yeah. And if you start getting distracted, things start going wrong. And that's kind of why every musician I think has this. Unless you have like manager and tech people and like the very the richer of us or the ones who are more blessed with um, inherited wealth can't afford to like throw dough. And a couple of people have interns from like different colleges. Like God bless them. We're just dealing it until like we luck out for the one national gig. We get a year where like roadies drag our stuff onto the stage and plug it all in. And we're like, yeah, even then we're like, don't touch the vintage amp. I'll kill you. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) It was, yeah, it's, there's been like a couple uh, gigs that I've done. I do like a lot of like out of town uh, event coordinating and DJ stuff. And uh, there's been some rooms that we've done that are like run by Live Nation, really big clubs. And like, like they're like taking my stuff out of the car and like they're like unpacking it when I'm on. I'm like, whoa, this is Ugh. so weird. Uh, but and you also, like, love like, it and hate it. I'm like, and like they're like trying to figure out how I'm like, it's cool. I got it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but like, it's like, and like they're like kind of, they're not upset, but you could tell they're like, taken back by like oh wow like somebody wants to touch their own things i'm like man this must be nice Mm -hmm. for the people that are through here all the fucking time the highest rung of performer that's the it's different level Uh uh-huh and when you play those gigs with people you get like a little peek back into like oh like these people all have grammys and that's why people carry their stuff drop them off here unpack all their gear have backup mics for everybody like they walk out on stage they pick up their guitar they play it. It's in tune. It works. What a life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe someday we'll get there. I don't know. Maybe we'll just keep dragging our stuff on until our backs can't take it anymore. Yeah. I'm having fun. You know? yeah. Knowing me, I'd probably still be there dragging my stuff on anyway. <laughs> <laughs> That's just me, though. Yeah. You know, I think that this can segue into uh, where I started the conversation in terms of the, you know, the the questionable genre that is the bleepy things. Right. Mm -hmm. And what I think is cool about what you're doing as a band is that even though it is not necessarily something that you can easily point your finger on, it is all reasonably palatable to a wide audience. You know, you're not doing anything that's 
too extreme or too left field or too dark or, you know, borderline satanic like my band. <laughs> I mean, we're not, I don't know why I said that, but yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's, it's intense. Yeah. For so moments. Yeah. I think that, you know, as a, you know, as you've been, as you've been doing this now for, you know, however long it's been, Game. COVID, oh, does, COVID yeah. fucked everything up. Who knows how yeah. long things are happening? Yeah, really. But, Time so, right. <laughs> yeah. so yeah. have you know, like, what are some of like the positives and the negatives that the bleepy things has experienced from like, just kind of like knowing where to play, knowing who to play with, where you fit in, where you don't, that sort of stuff. So <laughs> I think, I think, have I, we? <laughs> I, yeah, I think the benefit, uh, one of the benefits is, is that we get to experience uh, playing with a lot of cool bands that we necessarily probably wouldn't have even thought of playing with and have these shows go off without a hitch because it's just the crowd and whoever's there is like, you know, they might be there for, you know, their favorite band or whoever it might be there. But, you know, at least we have something that might pique their interest and in turn that we have a fan out of that. Yeah. Um, As far as like maybe like something like bad happening because of that, uh, I think the majority of the times that, we've had some sort of like pullback from it is when we start to get into the point where the whole card is all the same genre mm. except for us. And then it's kind of like, okay, we're the just either we're the filler opener that they needed, or if we're somewhere in the middle, we're just kind of like, they oh, now they're oh, desperate to fill a hole. Here's the bathroom break, you know? And, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so we, we tend to get that sometimes. That's a good band name. Bathroom the bathroom break. break. The bathroom break, yeah. Oh, that's pretty nice. That's going to be my noise project. <laughs> <laughs> and that could be perfect to get hired for bathroom breaks. Uh-huh. Here's one hour of a delay pedal fully, <laughs> fully cocked. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, yeah. It's it's actually the, the pun of it is just every set, I just smash a toilet. <laughs> so it's literally the bathroom break. Quite literally a <laughs> yeah. bathroom break. Yeah. Gallagher style porcelain <laughs> flying everywhere. Said you get hit with porcelain. That's like, well, glass. you know how like, uh, for Gallagher, they would give him like the sheets. I'll just give everybody like sheets of chain mail. <laughs> That's the heaviest project I've ever heard. Yeah, period. it fucking sounds sick. All right, oh we have to end God. this interview early. I got to start working on the bathroom break. Respectfully. <laughs> I need to call my plumber. Like <laughs> all the plumbers in Pittsburgh. They're, that's just your stage hands right there. <laughs> all plumbers sponsored by Rotor Rotor. But I think that. <laughs> Getting back on track, um, I, I definitely relate with similar scenarios where when, you know, my band, I'm speaking specifically about normal creatures in this instance, whenever we get booked on a show where it's like a, a lot of different styles of music, we normally do pretty well. Mm-hmm. But every once in a while, like if we ever get booked on like an all hip hop show or like an all rock show, which there's like the two dynamics, mm-hmm. it never really works out just yeah. because it's like, it's a different thing. Now, mm-hmm. granted, I mean, like we're in the process of like getting some more people in the band and it's going to be a little bit more of a rock band with like, you know, drums and stuff. Nice. We're kind of going through somewhat of an evolution that you did where it's like getting more analog, but still trying to keep it what it is, you know, yeah. just, we just want to bring on more people. Everybody's doing too much mm-hmm. and also like there's too much backtrack which i don't mind i don't mind having some but like right now it's like 
50% of our live sound is coming from a computer. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I'd rather it be like 15%. I understand. <laughs> yeah. There, I know. There's been a lot of times where we've discussed having something along the lines of having like backing tracks behind our songs. And as cool as that is, I mean, I the, you just sometimes when you get to a live setting, you just can't. You, you just can't bring that in front of people because some some of these people are very strictly like, oh, I don't want to hear the music. I want to hear them playing the music. I don't, don't want to hear. The, I don't want to hear the Spotify version yeah. on stage. Yeah, exactly. Like, and and there's a lot of times where you know, it, well, you might even know this because you DJ, and it's like you know, some people want to when they want to see a DJ, they want to see a, a DJ. They don't want to see somebody up there with just a laptop open. They're just hitting play and sure, you know, they want to see records I, spinning. They want to see you cut and stuff. They want to like feel like it's real. Yeah, yeah. Even if they can't see what you're doing and you just look like you're doing stuff and pressing buttons and wearing a helmet or whatever, cool. But <laughs> like, they want to see a, a show. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that all ties in just the overall presentation of you know either your band our band you know it doesn't matter whoever's using the uh so-called backing track i feel like it's a definitely a vital tool but people are there to see you you know yeah i mean people were there uh to be impressed which is like a weird thing um (laughs) it's kind of it kind of ties into like these weird over the top expectations that I find a lot of just general consumers of media seem to have now. And I'm basing this solely off of the way that my friends on social media interact. Anytime something new comes on fucking Netflix or a new movie comes out, it's like, Oh, like that was good, but it wasn't as good as this. Yeah. And it's like, why do we have to compare everything to something else that we've seen? Why Mm -hmm. can't we just be in the moment? Yeah. You know? And I find that that probably happens a lot with live music and as like an entertainer I'm always like worried about like are these people living in the moment of now or like from the second that I fucking step my foot on the stage are they immediately comparing me to some other experience that they've had yeah can you imagine like just doing that to people like Sean I like hanging out with you but like you're just not as cool as Mike Or other Sean. Like, of all the Sean's I've met, you are not the one I'm going to keep. Yeah. I only keep one person per name, and, like, you just aren't. It's such a weird thing. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, like, why we feel obligated to do that. I guess I can empathize with it. I think, like, I had a mentality like that at some points in time in my life about (laughs) certain things. But for the most part, I'm just, like, I'm just happy to experience something now. And it doesn't even have to be that good. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't need every single cheeseburger that I eat to be better than the last one that I ate. That's an unrealistic expectation. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Sometimes cheeseburgers are just going to be a cheeseburger, but Hey, you know what? It was fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And sometimes like a band can be just fine and that's It can be just a cheeseburger. It can be just like a good enough cheeseburger that it kept me alive for another day. Yeah. When I was on vacation, I have, I have a story to tell about the vacation. I think you'll find it interesting. It felt like a fever dream, but like, all these bands played the same like top 40 cover songs from like the past three or four decades. And every band I heard play the same songs on a loop to the point where I was like walking down the street and it was like all the small things. And then like acoustic on the next block, all the small things, and, like a shitty metal band, like all the small things. I'm like, I'm going to kill myself. Like this is, this is a fucking nightmare. Uh, side note, I'm not sure if the story's done yet, but I wanted to chime in. Uh, I remember I was at a 
some fucking event and I'm not going to call out the promoters or the venues or anything like that as much as I want to. <laughs> um, it's not their fault, honestly, so I shouldn't call them out. It's the band's fault. But there was like three bands that covered Sublime Santeria the same oh, day. No. <laughs> oh, no. That- I was like, what is happening? That we, happened to us? What, we, when did that happen? To, but we didn't play the song. Uh, we cut we it. pulled it and replaced yeah. it. We had a, oh, like another we had, band before you played the song? Yeah. It was one of the Snowdonia other band, Frog's Legs. I have no... Yeah, yeah. Frog, I think they, 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 they or their other... They have so many bands with similar Kappa kids with overlapping members. And some of them are only in one and some of them are in all three. Can't keep it straight. I got you. But they're all hyper time. Anytime I see them, I just I'm like, yep, and we're here. We're watching. Uh-huh. We're vibing. Okay, cool. <laughs> it's our it's our people. What's good? Um, but yeah, they did it and we just pulled it because we did three, three we, minutes. Yeah. Three minutes of not making somebody sit through the same song yeah. again. Mm-hmm. It's worth it. And I think we we were in the middle of Market Square too, and there was it was just, you know, the same, you know, wandering kind of group of people. So it was like, you know. Why, why play the same song over and over again, you know? The Wanderers well. wouldn't have known, but the people who had yeah. committed to sitting there for like four hours at a table, I'm like, yeah. you, you don't deserve this. Yeah. <laughs> Good people. <laughs> was there anything else about the beach story or was it just the Blink-182 no. covers? Okay, no. that was it. <laughs> that was like the least, that was probably the least weird thing. So we're driving into Dewey Beach. I've never been there. And I just see this sign and it says Winkle Voss Twins. And I was like, oh, nice. I went, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like a super crypto head now. Like that was my COVID project was just like understanding crypto, learning about crypto, going down the rabbit holes of crypto, how to make NFTs, how to maybe do blockchain streaming, how to like cut out all these middlemen that caused me to give like 0.01 cent per stream. You know, if I could actually make some sort of like sustainable thing where it justifies me investing more time to make money because we're cutting out as many middlemen, that's awesome. So I'm like, Winklevoss Twins, they own an exchange. Like, why are they in Dewey Beach? Like, it's tiny. Like, what made them come here? So I get into town and I see another sign that says Marsh Junction. So, of course, I'm like, Google it on Twitter. They got so bored of being rich that they started a rock band with their music friends and they play top 40 cover songs. Okay. <laughs> Where, which is the first night that I heard all the small <laughs> oh, no. things. And I would proceed <laughs> to hear it all week on a loop the whole time amongst many other songs. But like they had this interesting, I was like, first of all, that's weird. And I went to see the show because I'm like, yo, this is, this is nuts. I wonder where it is. Bro is 75 feet from where I was sleeping. So I walked across the street that night, went to see the show. It was free because they're rich. They don't need money. They're just trying to like get their rocks off and like have adrenaline. Yeah. And the thing that they said was, you can't just exist in the metaverse. You have to drink beer and party with people. And I was just like, all right, like deep. Like even these guys who went bananas, like they don't need, they want capitalism. They could literally just chill. They can't chill, but they just, they could. And they're still like, bro, I need to like go play. And like, yeah, they need that same feeling we're chasing all the time. Mm -hmm. And you're like, you know, because you get an offer for a show and part of you is like, I'm exhausted. I don't want to do all that work. And the other part of you is like, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. <laughs> that's, that's the really funny thing about like, once you start doing this band stuff or I guess whatever creative endeavor it is, it doesn't even have to be music, mm-hmm. but anything that eventually you're going to cross the threshold where it's like, maybe I want to take this to uh, the next level. Uh, a, a modern term might be, I want to monetize mm-hmm. this to some degree, uh-huh. right? Um, 
then you need to start digging into the business side of things. And a lot of us art music weirdos, you know, we spent, you know, our youth and our teenage and young adult years and into adult years just learning how to write songs and how to record music. We weren't thinking about business or finance or any of that stuff. So it's like, you know, you have, you know, 10, 15 years of experience with songwriting in your hands and a week of business. Yeah. And you're like, okay, fuck, what do I do? Yep. And then you start going down this crazy rabbit hole of learning all of that stuff, which is good. What is money? But, Where does money come from? How do taxes work? Yeah. Why do corporations get tax breaks? That's awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, everyone should own a company, but nobody wants to. <laughs> and it can really change the way that people start to interact with their art if you're not like careful about it. Oh, it's still sucking. So, That's why we haven't put anything out in a couple of years. Yeah. So I was going to ask about, uh, you know, the, the bleepy things in the world of just like that passing that threshold. Where is the band now? And like, what are some things that you're doing? If you are doing anything to try to take it to the next level, not necessarily creatively, but like financially, this is shark tank okay. motherfucker. So I think, <laughs> If I had to, if I had to, if I have to sit back and like think of like what you asked earlier, what did we learn in years of playing shows, who to play with, what not to play? And you play things and you're like, okay, we played this, we got no money. So we played this, we made $100. We played this, we made $400. We played this, we made $500. Rent at our spot is $400. So it's like most of the times we're negative, but we have a clubhouse to play in. It holds all our stuff. We can be loud 24-7. So if we need to practice or write music till 2 a.m., we can. Our neighbors never call the cops because they're all in bands too. It's crazy. They're all making metal and shredding at like 2 a.m. Just So us being bleepy, it's not even the loudest thing next to our competition. Money. How do we make money? We don't have any music videos. We don't have a website. We don't, we're lacking a lot of automated things. And that's something that he was digging into. So now it's going to be like. There's a whole like waterfall of things that are going to like happen all, all at once, <laughs> but it's money. You know, it's yeah, all like yeah. time and money and mm-hmm. like being like, okay, well, we can not focus on this. These bills are paid. I just got tax money back or I was just able to sell some of my stocks. I was just able to do whatever. I had a nice crypto flip. Cool. All right pay the taxes, now invest this and this, this, and this. Okay, cool. Once we have a website started, automated t-shirts and crap where people can just order whatever they want as they want it and we don't have to touch it and then have a couple of automated machines doing like little stuff just to keep people, build the brand awareness, take the labor hours off of us, and then it's going to be like push, push, push making push, push. NFTs doing a mint where it's like, here's all the pictures that these photographers took at bleepy shows for the last whatever. We're going to mint our favorite 5,000 and people can pay like 0.1 Ethereum or like 6,500 Songbird and mint the NFT, put it in their wallet, maybe get perks of like, get into this special bleepy show where, or get into this live stream where only people who hold an NFT can get in Mm -hmm. something, something, something just mint the songs itself and charge like one XRP per song, you know, bink, bink, bink. People click a link, the money's sent. It's done. I don't have to drop a CD off at their house that they don't have anything to play it on anyways. 
I don't have to try to get 10 million streams on Spotify to get like $10. I could just and give people collectibles that might have resale value later or might just make them happy to hold like art. It is art, but people like resale value too, you know? And it's just kind of like, now I'm talking to software developers and coders to make NFTs. And now I'm like trying to figure out how to promote my own shows because if we're going to play shows, we might as well make money off of them and not just let the promoter take all of nine bands hard work and not even show up to the gig and just... We've been through that too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're like, where's the promoter at? They're like, oh, the promoters don't come to shows. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's bananas. This dude's in charge of this whole thing and he's not even here and he's making all the money. That's <laughs> wild. <laughs> yeah. So the more you learn, the more you start to kind of realize how much gatekeeping there is, figure out what you can kind of circumvent, figure out which gatekeepers are really cool and are helpful and serve a, like a useful purpose and, they, they are them for a reason, you know? They've been in this forever. They know it. They make a humble profit off of what they do. And you don't have as many problems because they're taking care of so much on the back end that you don't even realize. And I think you meet every per- you meet somebody on every aspect of the spectrum when you're in the entertainment business for years and years and you're just playing shows and shows and meeting cool fans and weird fans and stalker fans. and Yeah. <sighs> It's a whole colorful experience, but, you know, hopefully we learn and adapt and grow or. Yeah, I think that, you know, it seems like, you know, you have a lot of ideas, you're finding ways, you know, as a individual, if you want to be, uh, you know, financially successful, you need to diversify your income streams. Mm And a lot of times bands don't think about applying that model to themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot more that you can do than just like putting out records and playing shows mm-hmm. to make money as a band. And it mm-hmm. seems like, you know, you have some ideas. Well, um, I mean, you're, you're, how will they work you're, out? You're, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're dipping your toes into a world that I am very, uh, admittedly ignorant about in terms of like NFTs and Ethereum and talking about all this stuff. Like I don't want to talk about Ethereum until I could buy a Big Mac with it. So that's pretty much where I'm at. And the thing is, there's a lot of um, other, I feel like Bitcoin and ETH are like old. And there's all these newer mm. ones that are much more efficient. It's like and you, and you boomer, boomer coin. You, yes. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah. it was it was the experiment. It was the experiment to prove the concept to a bunch of weirdo, chaotic libertarians that like digital money is cool and it could be safe and not just like a surveillance tool. And now they're like, oh, now that you're all learning to it. <laughs> but you can totally buy like a Big Mac with crypto now. Like I could just send like a little bit of crypto to my one card get rewarded for swiping it or tap it off my phone. And like, that's now. Samsung has like a blockchain wallet built into their digital wallet apps. I'm like, man, I keep telling people like, oh, this is coming in the next couple of years. And I keep like looking at my phone after it's software updates. And I'm like, bro, they just keep integrating it onto like user level platforms. It's not like deep nerd stuff. Like this is just something any boomer, for lack of better term, could like tap into accidentally set up a Coinbase wallet and connect it and be able to like buy a Big Mac with crypto. Does that make sense from a tax perspective? Not really most of the time because there's a lot of capital gains going on when you're buying and selling crypto or spending it. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's just like selling it for dollars. Yeah. But- I think that, you know, at the, at the risk of 
completely shifting this conversation into something that has nothing to do with music. Yeah. <laughs> but I do feel like I just want to bring this up because I had the thought and it's kind of timely with what's going on in Pittsburgh right now. Mm-hmm. I just, uh, people are so hesitant about change. Like you can't Especially even, in Pittsburgh. Yeah. I mean, yep. You can't even change the name of a football stadium without the world going to fucking shit. Yeah. Dude, people, so the concept of like, oh, this is how you're going to buy and sell and keep and trade and uh, develop uh, a portfolio. Like, mo- the idea, like now, like even before uh, digital currency or Bitcoin or any, whatever you want to call it, crypto, mm-hmm. that's the word, right? Yeah. Or anything affiliated with that. Like, a lot of people were very like hesitant about like building a financial portfolio off of things like, even like stocks, which have been around forever and is like mm-hmm. another whole weird thing. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Just people are afraid of that sort of stuff on a wide level. Yeah. And so if we make it more like like macro and really zoom in, it's like how how far away do we think we are from the point where people are engaging with this currency? It's such a casual level that they're willing to use it to interact with like bands. When did you get your first smartphone? Uh, I mean, I don't know. Probably, yeah, it's probably like two thousand eight, nine, yeah. somewhere like, around there. And not a lot of people had smartphones then. Some it was fair, fair adoption at the yeah, moment, I mean, but like it wasn't like every grandma had an iPhone at that point. It's also yeah. really funny to like think about the technology then that was being referred to as a smartphone because now I think about it and I'm like, that was so. What dumb. was actually smart about it? <laughs> when did the smartphone happen? I'm not yeah. sure. Like, what counts is like you know like Steve like, Jobs introduced the it, smartphone. <laughs> yeah, but I think in the rate that we adopted, I remember not having internet, and then I remember having dial-up. And I remember having DSL and I remember having fiber optic and a cell phone that does like 5G. Yeah. <laughs> Bananas. Like I was on the beach and I had almost a gig down. That's I'm on the beach. I don't need a gig down. There's ocean. I can just look at the ocean, but mm-hmm. I was taking pictures. So I was like, why not a speed test? You know, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I th- I'm giving I, away my nerd. <laughs> I, think, I think it all just, uh... <laughs> Oh, it's, it's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think a lot of it has to do with just just public accessibility, really. I mean, it, like he said, it's like when when did you get your first smartphone, and how was the how was this uh, the transition from something like a like a Motorola Razor or something to say like a Galaxy or like an iPhone or something <laughs> that can zoom a hundred times into infrared night shots. Yeah. In your pocket, casually, it's your personal communicator. You know, it's it's, it's the accessibility is never going to be easy, but it's like if you make it easy for people, the people will follow. At least I think so. If it's not complicated for them, like people do tap tickets at shows now. Mm -hmm. You know, like you walk into Stage A or like a Live Nation show, you pull up your little QR code and they scan your phone. Everybody has their phone on them. Yeah. And I think the apps are going to get more and more integrated. And like you already see, you can buy crypto on like Cash App and Venmo. Everybody has Cash App and Venmo. Is it the best place to be able to like buy and transfer your crypto to safer places or whatever? No, but it's super easy for anybody who already has that platform because their mom sent them 40 bucks earlier. Yeah. That if they did want to engage or if they did want to do a crypto payment or if they did want to take advantage of that, they could. It's already just going to be like the default in 10 years. Mm -hmm. I think there needs to be an easier 
more digestible language around what crypto actually is and blockchain and all digital this stuff. asset is the better term. Yeah. Cause it's just like something like gold or something like a stock that has value that is a thing. But that's the more, I think crypto is like everybody's, well, it's all about puzzles and secrets and like kind of, so people don't steal your money and so people don't print money out of thin air and people don't just inflate things for no reason. <laughs> Inflation. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it's all just like digital money. And we use digital money now. Like am I, I don't get paid in cash. They drop it into my bank account. We're already dealing with digital yeah, assets. Totally. It's just mm-hmm. what is backing the digital asset, I think. Yeah, sure. And that's what's going to shift in the next 10 years. Yeah. And whether we like it or not, it's just how we interact with everything on a consumer level, we'll just adapt to it. Yeah. It's like COVID had tap to pay. You couldn't spend cash anymore because it was dirty and like people would get sick if they touched it. Because it was dirty. <laughs> I mean, cash has been gross. I've been oh, getting yeah. sweaty boob money when I worked at Sandcastle like my whole life. It's mm-hmm. disgusting. And it's like wet and moist and you're like, I'm going to take this $20. Like, you have to. It's legal tender. And you're like... (laughs) (laughs) All right. Back to whatever. Sorry. (laughs) The nerd out. (laughs) Gross. Yeah. um, it's, it's, It's an interesting thing to think about. It's something that, you know, I'm by default a curious person. And I could be curious about things that I have like no interest in, but I'm still curious about it. Cause mm-hmm. like, I mean, I genuinely have like no interest in yeah. this thing happening, Yeah, but I also fully understand that it probably is going to happen. Yeah. And mm-hmm. a lot of things happen in reality that I have no interest in, but you need to adapt every day. A fucking adult. Every so. day. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, correct. I couldn't yeah. give a shit about Bitcoin when people told me to buy it in like 2013. And I hate myself because I could just be, I could just be like a rich person playing rock and roll person and just, uh-huh. you know, like imagine you're if, in fucking and, Dewey Beach or whatever. Bro, put the, three che- shows. Put, All put the, the, put the small che- things, yeah. <laughs> put the cheat codes into Grand Theft Auto, but your real life for uh-huh. like unlimited money. And like, what could you do if you had an open sandbox? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying I need that to be happy. It's just, you know, had I had that, would I have taken so long to like, would I still be playing in Pittsburgh? Would we have toured already? Dude, because I could afford a yeah. tour van and gas for it. And if we people didn't show up, who cares? We're having fun. We're just going on vacation. Yeah, it's it's fun because if we uh, relate it to like band shit in like a weird roundabout way for me to just get this conversation back, back on, on track. music. <laughs> I mean, as a musician, and you've probably experienced this as well, is just like the adaptation of where society has gone, social media and all this stuff, Mm -hmm. and like going through that phase of like, does my band really need an Instagram account to like, you're a fucking idiot if your band doesn't have an Instagram account. Like at first, it didn't make sense. Why why pictures for music? Yeah. Why? But people love Insta, bro. People live on Insta Mm -hmm. and then you get the reels and there's your music and then you get the videos and there's a little cut of you advertising. Mm -hmm. And it's sweet. It like completely changes the way that you need to interface as a musician. And in some ways it's changed what popular music is. Like it's really rare now to hear a song on the radio. That's even fucking longer than two minutes. And I blame that on TikTok. and that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it's just like, Mm -hmm. you know, we're writing songs for a 15 second hook. 
Yeah. You know, and then we're writing short songs. So it's more likely they'll play it on the radio and mm-hmm. they can get more rotations in. And it's like, oh, you know, as a radio station, I'm just assuming that maybe this is how it works. It's like, you know, back in the day, it's like, you know, we play a dozen songs and then commercials. Mm-hmm. Now, a dozen songs that are four minutes long in commercials versus a dozen songs that are two minutes long in commercials, mm-hmm. they're playing more commercials. So yeah. they get more money. Versus them playing Stairway to Heaven just to take a bathroom break. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> DVE is still going to be DVE. Um, that's a very Pittsburgh thing to say. I'm really curious about this, right? But you're, you're not what, wrong. What will the dads <laughs> listen to, man? Well, this, like, okay, I want to know. All right. Okay, so when I was a child, mm-hmm. um, I'm going to be just really rough here about the years. Uh, when I was a child, they would play Led Zeppelin on WDVE. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At that point, those songs were like 25, maybe 30 years old. Yeah. Now at this point in my life, corn songs are yeah. 25, 30, 30 years, years old. old. I oh want to know God. when they're going to start playing corn on DVE. I want to know <laughs> where I want to know when classic rock is going to accept is going to phase. Like is classic rock only going to be music that existed between the mid 60s and mid 80s forever or is it going to transition at some point? I I very much believe it's that that time period of like the 1960s all the way up to like maybe the 80s. That whole decade is just what you're what everybody just classifies as classic rock. And I think DVE has just turned into a point where that's what that their audience listens to DVE because for that. For that. So you're never gonna change that. I mean, the X, on the other hand, they like they play alternative stuff, a lot of newer stuff as well. And I you know, I salute them to that. Heavy metal, like, like 21 pilots and Imagine Dragons. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, you got to get to a point where, like, even even like some of the, like, the serious channels, uh, like Sirius XM, or just, I mean, even like Spotify or Apple Music, like they still have just classic rock stations or something like that. What's in them? Stuff from 60s, 70s, and yeah. 80s, you know? It's that's I think that's just gonna stay as like its own thing. Cause like you say 2K and today, well, that's two decades now. You know, what the music that happened over the past decade is not like the music that happened in the first decade. And you got you, you know, that's the problem with, you know, uh growing old with music is that you know it's all gonna change whether people like it or not. And to put to slap a label like classic rock on it. And when is that going to fade out? It's never going to. Well, that's the thing that's so silly to me about people that are like, well, oh, like rock music isn't rock music anymore. Hip hop's not what I remember it being. And it's like, my brother in Christ. (laughs) All of this stuff (laughs) is so young in the course of history. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to be generous, like the concept of rock and roll is maybe a century old. Maybe. Mm -hmm. But like, really, like if you start getting into like, you know, like all the blue stuff that eventually turned into like what rock would become, that's wasn't that long. And even before all that stuff, like pop culture and consumerism of music wasn't really a thing until 50s, 60s, Beatles, all that stuff really blew Mm -hmm. up. Right. So now we're talking maybe about, you know, 70 ish years of this being a thing where it's like. We digest this all the time and we're starting to put genre, like putting multiple different genres on 
different kinds of guitar-based music is even younger. Yeah. So now, as time goes on, who's to say like what a particular genre of music should be? Yeah. It just blows my mind. A good question that I, that I would ask you then is, do you consider Greta Van Fleet classic rock? <sighs> I mean, <laughs> if you were to ask me what kind of music Greta Van Fleet was, I would just say they were a rock band. I would mm-hmm. never say that they were a classic rock band. But mm-hmm. if you asked me that question, I'd be like, yeah, I mean, they're, they, they're styled like a classic, like, I guess, yeah. So, yeah, they are a styled modern, like, classic exactly. rock band. Because, like, yeah. my brain has definitely been tuned to think that, like, you know, Led Zeppelin it's is classic, classic rock, rock and Corn yeah. is not classic rock. Yeah. Right? But, like, how... I mean, when okay. does it become the oldies? When, when does something... When beca- is new metal not new anymore? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when is it old metal? Yeah, exactly. When is old metal? Yeah. yeah. And like, Classic new metal. It's just... It's an interesting thing. And it's yeah. like, you know, these these labels and the attachments on, on that we put onto things, not really considering like what the future of music's going to be 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to see like, I don't know, I'll probably be around in another 20 years yeah. when the I first Corn album is 50 years old. Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> God. <laughs> what is, that, what is music going to look like? What's We're going to throw in the oldies like? and it's follow the leader. <laughs> because It's interesting because in like a lot of ways, a lot of things haven't changed. Yeah. You yeah. Know We're still I mean? playing guitars that There's, they played at Woodstock. And you people want to pay seven grand for them now. Totally. That's and, the- <laughs> and there's still bands that sound like Led Zeppelin, like Greta yeah. Van Fleet. And there's mm. still, you know, bands that sound like Metallica or whoever. There's bands that sound like Corn still. Corn still sounds like Corn. Yeah. They're still around. But it's like, I'm curious. I don't know. I just, because a lot hasn't changed, but like socially things change. Yeah. It's interesting. I guess I thought of classic rock as the, the music my dad listened to. But now it's like, if you listen to what new dads are listening to, it's all pop punk. <laughs> like, that's like yeah. the new dad. Because everybody that was kind of social and weird and fun in a segment of humanity listened to pop punk and went to pop punk shows. So they met other people that were kind of social and fun enough to go out to pop punk concerts. And then they recreated. And now they have a tiny little punk. Yeah. And now they still listen to the stuff they like and the stuff that sounds like the stuff they like and then whatever else they've evolved into listening to, which is still Blink-182 yeah. on a loom. I mean, Green Day, Green Day, Blink, I mean, they've all been around since what, the 90s? Yeah. And so like, you know, that yeah. it was almost 30 years ago now. And it's like, you know, brand new, you know, like you said, brand new dads, such as myself, you know, just listening oh, to hey. all these, nine, all, all these, Congrats. uh, thank you. It's a beautiful uh, thing, life. He, uh, you know that's all. That's all. My little one, both of them, really. That's all they want to listen to is either like, like, 2010 EDM or <laughs> or nineties punk and metal. You know, it's yeah. like, and then to me, like, oh yeah, it's classics. And then you turn to somebody and be like, oh, well, what's classic rock to you? Be like, oh, well, it's still the sixties and seventies to me. You know, uh-huh. so interesting. Interesting. Your perspective changes. Everybody's. Uh-huh. I can't believe, but I, in the like to me like the oldies is like my girl my girl uh-huh. my girl now like Earth Wind and Fire is kind of like oldies hell yeah <laughs> you know, not that not that I was uh, I was totally conceived yeah, of disco only but it's a you TikTok know. trend too no <laughs> yeah but it's just like you know that's 
at one point does nobody really listen to that music because it's just too old that it's like not even been in popular culture enough that the the handful of weirdos who like obsess over Bob Dylan and the hand, you know, like I mean Bob Dylan's still super popular, but not when Bob Dylan was 30, 40, not yeah, I mean, it, everything has like a, a maximum saturation arc and then it goes down from there. So wait until Bob Dylan's in Stranger Things season well, yeah, five. I, yeah, I was about you to called say. it. You <laughs> called it now. <laughs> Just crazy He's Spotify ser- streams. Serenade yeah. the Demogorgon with a uh, harmonica. <laughs> <laughs> Just tells um, it a story, but to music. But yeah, <laughs> even to that point, like, you, and you brought up Stranger Things. I mean, look at Metallica right now. I mean, they're, the Master of Puppets hit like top 100 and I don't, I forget, it was like Billboard's like most relative or relevant something or other but um you know and then uh, you have all these kids playing master of puppets on the guitar now and i'm just like i covered that song 10 years and nobody ago, cared <laughs> and no one cared nobody and liked now, my TikTok. one little kid on a stupid show it brings it right back up to popularity and now all these kids that are you know I, I don't know if it's i mean it could be anybody that watches the show but it's the fact that they brought master of puppets and was it kate bush to mm-hmm. bring those two songs back to relevancy and now it's like you know, I've been listening to the songs forever. Now all of a sudden it's like a trend. Like why? But hopefully, hopefully that's what puts a couple of kids onto Metallica. And that's what puts yeah. a couple of kids onto like going and digging through these archive albums. And I, actually- saw, I saw a really funny uh, meme earlier today, actually, that was like talking about like, it's like all these people want to, uh, gatekeep uh, like Kate Bush and Metallica yeah. But, yeah. and act like they nah. didn't get their entire music taste from the Tony Hawk Pro Skater soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how our band became. That's our band. Yeah, that's <laughs> our band. <laughs> that is our yeah, band. Yeah, it's it's funny, but I think I, it's, I totally get it. That goes back to like what I was talking about in a way with people are like, oh, this isn't as like good as the thing I experienced before. And it's like, yeah. oh, like you can't listen to this because I listened to it before you listened to it. And it's just like, it's, it's like, just be happy. Someone that else likes are it. listening to anything. Be happy that people give a fuck about anything. Be yeah. happy that you live in a world where there's still people that want to give something like Kate Bush or Metallica a chance. Yeah. yeah. Cause they could have easily put fucking imagine dragons and stranger things. A thousand percent. <sighs> they could have easily and done good that. for them that god bless fun. them you know but like <laughs> it's like they're kind of like i feel like they get hate like nickelback but at least they're better than nickelback have you heard nickelback yeah they're good they're good they're they're super successful they make a lot more money than us who are we to talk shit you know but i i for animals I them, is still the best banger they have i saw them live for no reason <laughs> and i i think because they were uh, i forget who was opening for them i think it was godsmack what a combo. Yeah, it was, it was weird. and Nickelback. Yeah. Bands that rocks. Years ago, but I, I just remember like, they're not, they, you know, they actually have some heavy hits. Like, I'm, this is yeah, bad. Like, they can rock. And then it's like, I no. go back home and I'm like, I'm not, I'm never going to listen yeah. to this I, photograph. <laughs> yeah, oh I mean, God. I, I think that Nickelback is not a band that I am a fan of. Well, I know that they're not a band that I'm a fan of. <laughs> but it blows my mind that they, they kind of, get the flack for being like such a terrible band because they're really not they're not they're not they're They're just so vanilla sure yeah sure sure it's so white bread yeah you know it's just like (sighs) and i think i think they i think they get wrapped up in that in that same like like 
genre that everybody like claims it's like it's like butt metal or whatever new, it's new, called. It's kind of like new classic rock. Yeah. Like that's the Yeah, I mean it's just it's just you know, it's rock music. It's like unapologetically American modern yeah. rock music. Yes. yes. With yeah. just um, enough corn. It ball. has like like it has like this uh this artificial attitude. <laughs> you know, that's like maybe like, you know, an attitude to uh, somebody that I don't know. I don't want to. I was going to bring up some sort of like food or vacation spot or something. People, if you enjoy Nickelback, you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Life is way too short, you know, to not find something that you find joy in. And if you're a human being that resonates with whatever our Nickelback is giving off, I'm mm-hmm. glad that you I'm glad have that, that in your life for the limited amount of time that we're on this spinning rock in the galaxy. 100%. Rock and roll. Uh, oh, to be a meat suit. Yeah. Rock and roll. Yeah. So we have been um, talking a lot about different styles of music. What is a genre? What bands should be considered? And simultaneously, we have brought up a few times about, well, I've brought up that the bleepy things kind of in my perspective, Dodge is being considered like any one thing. Mm -hmm. But I imagine as a band, you probably have some sort of a label that you consider yourselves. And I have not asked about this. So (laughs) according to Mike and Sean of the bleepy things, what is the bleepy things? Well, uh, we had a, we had a previous uh, bass player in our band. Was it Aaron that said this? Yeah. Funk. Rock. Funk, pop, punk, rock. Funk, pop, punk, rock. Yeah. And that's, I'm like, that's he, pretty encompassing. Yeah. And that was kind of like what we latched on to for the better part of like the few years that that group of people that was in the band at the time that we really, because at the time we were playing with a very neo soul driven drummer and Aaron, the bass player at the time was just very funk oriented, groove oriented. And so it was uh, a funkier show, yeah. a funkier version of the songs and a funkier yeah. version of our show. Mm-hmm. And then I say we got a little more metally. The band was more metal heads. And yeah. then you start hearing the songs get harder and more aggressive because that's just how that's what's naturally built into the human. That's, but we also got in the boom baps and the bunga bungos and the, yeah. you know. And then keeping and then keeping with the continu- uh, continuity of the uh, of the band, making sure that like the pop and funk elements are still in in with the the newer material. Um, so yeah, I mean, we still kind of cling on to that funk, pop, punk, rock because you know there are songs that we like to sit there and just jam out for like you know seven or eight minutes and really just like let the music just speak for itself. There are other songs that we have that we're just like, let's just bang it out and let's rage, you know? And we like to have that dynamic because we feel like it's where we most comfortably fit uh, within ourselves and with Mm -hmm. each other. I think you'll start hearing like, as the humans become more and more available and, you know, like there's like goals in my head of like, here's something I want to create. Here's something I want to make. Here's whatever. And it's like, you know, the humans who are best fitted to do it. And as soon as like, I think you'll probably see us put out a disco song. You'll probably see us put out a couple of Scottish. We definitely are putting out one. That's the next one. It's yep. super Scott. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, a Scott banger for sure. And that's like my heart Horns is happy. and everything. And then it's like, as I can get horn players around more often. And I guess as soon as I buy a finale subscription and like actually like, write out the horns for people to just show up, read what's on the paper and buy, 
instead of like trying to figure it out and match up exactly. It's just, I guess, things that require more work from us <laughs> and time and labor and money, but things that will totally speed up the efficiency of the process of working with others. Because it's like, as soon as you break down the communication barrier with written lyrics, chord changes, sheet music, yada, yada, the demo songs for them to listen to, it's kind of like, does, do they learn better by reading, hearing, seeing, or doing? And then you try to give them some of all of it yeah. and let them actually play it with you, let them read it, let them listen to it, and they'll definitely lean into whatever their brain learns through the best. But I definitely think you're going to see more ska, disco, pop. Mm -hmm. But right now, I'd say we've been recording a lot of heavier. I would say I would say it's like a good... It's a, like it's the, balanced. We have we have at least at the at the least like ten ten songs that are completely finished that are all just like the same kind of you know hard rock feel with the you know disco ska and funk elements on top of it, um, and I, for that direction of those ten songs, it's like okay, yeah, here's the better part of like what two years now. Yeah, two years of just work with very, these humans. Very much like two guitar players, three guitar players, bass player, drummer, maybe Saxophone. some synth. Yeah, one sax. Sometimes we'll pull in like a trombone player, a trumpet player, or something to like fill out the horn line. I might just steal somebody's sax section temporarily and you know borrow them when they're not working. Yeah. Like I filled in for other people, so it's like ah, <laughs> I help when you need help. You give me when I need. Sure, <laughs> and that you know, and that's another just like trading labor for what you want to happen. And then people just kind of fall in love with the whole process and the experience. And I don't know. You, and then you, you get, get something like us. Yeah. You get busy and it's hard to see all your friends and it's hard to keep those, like your high school friend connections, your college friends connections. You only have so much time and energy in a day to connect with humans. But whenever you have like a medium to try to bond over, even if it's sometimes inconvenient, it's, it just gives us like a place to come back to. It's like, all right, well, we have a physical location that we just hang out in and make stuff. Yeah, and that and that, I, and that gives location it more identity. Could be, you know, that same genre of music that we've been creating over the past I don't know how many years. Yeah, you know, home base, whatever home, that may be. Yeah, and our home base has changed from different, you know, like houses to rental spaces to you know something with cement walls and horrible acoustics until you build pads to make it very. Nice. Yeah. Um, but and then that all ties into the, the, you know, the music creation and, you know, going from where we were digitally to uh, where we are now analog. And why did and we digital. use drum samples? Yeah. Cause we couldn't record real drums. Good. Why, why do we, we have drum real drums sample? now? Cause we can, Yeah. <laughs> cause we wanted to the whole time and now we can. And then why did you replace some of those drums with samples? Well, they sound better. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Fuck. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, that's that's one of the fun things about um, being in a band that's not afraid to uh, play with, you know, like digital and real world components because like I love that, you know, live music is one thing and we've talked about that in terms of like you want like a stage full of musicians giving off a good show. That's great to see. Mm -hmm. But in a studio atmosphere, sometimes like a 100% live thing doesn't always translate the way that maybe you want your piece to translate creatively. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I, me personally, like I don't need 
something that I did in the studio to be reflected 100% accurately in a live environment. Like, I, I want 100%. them to be two totally different things. Yeah. yeah, I want them to come to the show for a reason. I mean, and also, if we're being completely honest, at least for somebody that's on my level, I think that when you're starting out, there's going to be people that see you live and there's going to be people that listen to you online mm-hmm. and a very small Venn diagram of that that's actually going to allow... Like even interlock. Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's like the so. Grateful Dead. There's the people who've never gone to see the Grateful Dead. And there's the people who've never listened to them on Spotify or record. They only go to just have the experience. Yeah. And they're two totally different things. Cause the song. Dude, yeah, it's just beer in a parking lot, you know? Yeah. Like it's, it's a ritual. They perform the ritual. They get some kind of like Spiritual fulfillment, let's say, on varying degrees. <laughs> Kenny Chesney to Grateful Dead. Yeah. <laughs> Catholic Mass. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> Pick your poison, honestly. Yeah, sure. But Jesus. Um, everybody's trying to find meaning, trying to get some sort of like answers, or they have these weird mystery questions in their head, and they're just doing things while reflecting. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, that's it. You're just doing things to fill the time in between you trying to figure out the point of f- walking around a floating rock in a meat suit. Like, and then while you're at these shows, maybe you find an answer, or your brain just kind of comes to a conclusion, or like a weird thing happens in the universe, gives you a sign, and you're just like, like nine coincidences line up, and you're like, these are not coincidences. Yeah. That was 100% me at EDC. Yeah. 100% me. And sometimes that won't happen for very long spells of time. And it feels like the magic of the universe is dried up. And then all of a sudden you just have this like week. And you're just like, what the hell happened? My life isn't even the same as it was a week ago. Mm-hmm. Everything changed. All these things fell out underneath me that I thought were stable. Now new things have already come in to replace them. And I think I'm good. Yeah. Well, <laughs> keep on. Boop, boop, boop. Yeah. Yeah, I think that there's uh, an interesting lesson to be learned as a a band, and maybe this can translate to other people in the entertainment industry, regardless of whatever you do. But in terms of that, like, you know, if your live performance doesn't need to be 100% a reflection of like what you do in the studio, mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be 100% perfect. And I think for the most part, people aren't coming out; they're not really expecting to see a 100% perfect performance they just want to have, have like a moment yeah you know they just want to be a part of something yes and i think that a lot of times it's easy for bands to get distracted in themselves like the ego kind of yeah ruins and doesn't lo- allow them to have that experience and it mm-hmm. makes it really hard for them to connect with people you know sometimes yeah. you'll hear like why do people like this band they're not even that good it's like maybe they aren't that good but are they nice are they fun mm-hmm there's your answer. Portugal the Man is so nice. They're so nice. They signed things for people. They like, this kid got fired from his job at Best Buy because he came to hang out with them. Like, they just, and they were like, yeah, here, here's a guitar. And like, signed it. Like, you got fired today? That's awesome. Here you go. Like, you know, like, just like, <laughs> hell yeah. Just like rock and roll, you know? And when we heard um, Feel It Still, like, live, it didn't sound nearly as bombastic as like the hit on the radio does, but they were doing it live. So there wasn't all this like sub on the bass and there was like mm-hmm. some elements that were definitely like, Oh sure. You can't have that fucking like crazy tight, dry drum sound in a live room. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that's like the entire aesthetic of that song. Correct. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So there was a lot more reverb, a lot more yeah. live 
you know, things, but it was still a banger. People still like went out, but you can tell as soon as it started, everybody was just like, we came here to hear this one song. Like they were all like packed out in a dick sporting goods or public lands parking lot, like shoulder to shoulder waiting for this singular song to play. And then it was, it was a song. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty good. Yeah. It, it was, was definitely good. feel it still. Yeah, it was feel it still. Oh, yeah, yeah, totally. They totally sang all the words. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And then they hung out after and were just the nicest people. Like the show was a banger. All their other songs were good. I just didn't know them. You know, it's yeah. just like I I was the guilty party of like going to see a show of a band I've never really listened to. I was just like, hell yeah, you want to pay us money to come play on a big stage with people who want hordes? Yeah. Yes. Sold. Period. Like, we'll be there. I would have done it for free. Shh, don't tell anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Rent's still expensive. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hey, you know, um, as this, as we're uh, rounding the station here, getting towards the end of the conversation, mm-hmm. uh, the last question that I'm going to ask is going to be regarding this material that you have said that you've recorded, that you're sitting on. <laughs> What's the fucking plan, gentlemen? Well, uh, honestly, uh, we, we just waiting for a break honestly <laughs> i mean yeah. uh, really just everybody's lives have been so chaotic with either us actually playing shows over the over the summer trying to recoup from two two years of pandemic um and you know we we've been expanding a lot of things at our home base in order to be able to rec- write and record these songs as well as trying to produce them to a point that we're actually happy with mm. um, how do you time the line drums we can do that now. Yeah. And Instead of pain? Yeah. Is it doable? Yeah. Not with dining vocals. Yeah. Finding a lot of uh finding a lot of other like producers and whatnot to work with us has been a, a real treat and trying to help us, I guess, move the train down the line as in trying to, you know, again, we were talking about fi- uh financial uh places and whatnot, and getting to a point where our band is almost self-sufficient to the point where we write and record stuff at the studio and it's out within a few weeks because yeah. all five of us have been putting in time to make sure that we're at the studio or wherever we are laying down these tracks, mixing them, mastering them, and then getting them to a point where, you know, we feel comfortable. And I think that now that we have that, I think it's just full speed ahead to start, pumping some things out cool you know well i'm looking forward to hearing whatever um the finished product ends up being of whatever's in your chaotic minds in Mm -hmm. terms of like the studio representation of like what i have seen and heard live you Mm -hmm. know just because i could tell there's a lot of ideas and again in a live environment it's not always coming out because you are limited to the human experience in that moment, right? Yeah, of course. But, you know, I'm really curious to see what happens when you got, uh, I don't know, unlimited tracks and a few extra friends in <laughs> it's the room. bananas. It is, yeah. it is bananas. Uh, I, think, I think as far as material goes, I think this most recent stuff is probably the most representative as us now, the, now and on stage as much as you're going to yeah. get. Yeah, because the chaos and the fun that we have up on stage, I think, really translates well to these songs. And I think that's going to come through uh, speakers, headphones, however you listen to it. Well, yeah, that's great. I mean, it it takes time to find your voice as a band. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it's always really interesting to me 
whenever friends will be like, hey, started up a new project with such and such. And then, you know, they're playing shows two weeks later. And then, you know, four weeks later, they have an EP out. And it's like, y'all are my homies, but I could tell you've been working on this for three months. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. like it, it really... It, it shows, reflects. but yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah. Sometimes do what you, you want to do. Sometimes you have to just do it yeah. and get yeah. started, and then you can perfect it. Because some people are crippled by perfectionism. Yeah, and some people have no idea what that is. Yeah, <laughs> crippled by perfectionism. <laughs> that's why I haven't put anything out in years. But I don't know. Tables coming out. That's going to be sweet. And then we always you heard it here first. We got yeah, we got tired of trying to do everything ourselves. So now it's like do. 80, 90 plus percent and then hand it off to someone we trust to like tie up the loose ends, mix it, master it, do yeah. whatever. Or like I'll do a part of it and let somebody else do the rest of it. Whatever. Whatever makes sense to get it to the end. Like to get it over the finish line and not just sitting like 95% on your hard drive for And then we're just staring eternity. at the folder like Sad. Yeah. yeah. No momentum happening. It's just existing there. Nobody's listening to it. It's not doing anything for society or the betterment of anything. Just it's existing as a digital file mm-hmm. on a solitary computer and one backup, two mm-hmm. backups. I don't know, whatever. Depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> we're not perfect. We do our best. Totally. But table's going to be sick and we're going to shoot a music video for that. And that'll be like our first story music video. We're going to try to... The first music video. We're going to have a rent out a room, have a DJ in our band, maybe a friend's band come and play. And that way it's just like fun. All, and then we're going to shoot a video while it's empty in the morning throw this party at night and then get footage of everybody partying to cut into it. Yeah. So we're going to try to like make the most of one day with a really nice camera and a bunch of really fun people and see if we can make like August or first week of September, like a nice solid music video. And then you'll see that drop sees the means will drop. That's tight. That's like heavy, heavy. You'll like it. It's fucking heavy. We were just angry. It was awesome. But we found, what is it? Collision. We want to try to shoot a video in collision. If they'll let us still working on that. But it's like a giant warehouse. So it's, you know, whenever you want to get like loud and metal and industrially, it's kind of cool to be like in an industrial background building and yeah. have cool machinery and crap behind you to like get shots of and just like steampunk. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, Sean, Mike, thank you both for coming over. It's Thanks been a sir. pleasure chatting, pleasure getting to know more about the inner workings of why the things bleep. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. We and, appreciate uh, uh, having you on, or have, or <laughs> yeah, this is our, sure this is, yeah, this is a bleepy things this podcast is, now. Start this is start the bleep with yep, Sean start and the Mike. bleep with Sean and Mike. <laughs> this is our guest Sykes, and uh, I have no questions. <laughs> thank you so much for having yeah, thank us. Thank you yes. for having us. It was very cool spending the most time we've ever spent together. Yeah, totally, totally. It's always great to actually like chat with somebody like without like having like all of my gear spread across the back room somewhere <laughs> or like, you know, half your, a, a half handful of heavy shit or... Oh, like, hey! Yeah, yeah. yeah like, or just in yeah. passing or anything. Yeah. Or, like, or, or just like, you know, a bunch of noise happening in the background, you know, mm-hmm. just a, a quiet room. A quiet, controlled area to have a productive conversation with other musicians. Wild. Yeah. Crazy thing. It's the only reason I do this podcast, to be completely <laughs> it's honest. It's kind of beautiful. I enjoyed it. It was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. You gotta meet people. You gotta network and connect and you know, remember that uh at the end of the day, you're still a human being and you need human connection. Hell yeah. Your art's not that important. 
Yeah, it really isn't. Even the rich people just want to drink <laughs> beer and party, man. You know, can't live in the metaverse, can't live in the digital realm all the time. You got to touch meat suits and touch grass, everyone. Yeah, go see some grass, look at the sun. Don't stare at it, though. <laughs> all right. And, uh, <laughs> well, that's it. It's been a podcast. That's the end of this episode. I don't have anything else to say. You know who I am. You know who they are. You can find them on the internet. There will be a link in the description unless you're on Spotify or Apple or anything like that. But if you're on Spotify, just go up to the search bar and type in the bleepy things. and You'll probably hear some old music that they don't necessarily. I don't know if you want people to no, hear yeah, that. No, there's great. There, there's uh, there's definitely uh, more newer stuff on there that they can check out. But I mean, everything's on there. All right. Cool. Well, maybe there'll be some of that new stuff too. Absolutely. At some point in time. You can hit the uh, little, uh, what is it? Do you follow people on Spotify? Uh, and then whenever yeah. they release music, a better musician, uh, it'll pop person. up in your release radar, which is a nice thing. <sighs> that's heavy. That's some That's some commitment. That's like almost getting married to a musician, you know? Get married to the bleepy things. Yeah. See all of our releases forever. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that's it. Goodbye. It's been a podcast. Peace out. Cub Scouts. <laughs>